In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the ex- unexplained, the un-whatever, uh, New England's own Van Helsing, with me all the way from across the pond, the ghost finder general himself, most haunted Richard Felix. At least you managed to get my bit right, that's something, oh, isn't God. it? Oh God, you know, it's one of those days, every freaking computer that I'm working on here is all, like, swagging and driving me nuts, so. Oh, anyway. dear. Never but mind. We, you can always put it down to the paranormal, can't you? I, I'm telling you. You know, I was at the Wyndham restaurant doing a dining with the dead uh, yesterday, and right. the the uh, uh, owner has, like, all these hit cameras in the restaurant, but he can yes. see them from yes. his iPhone. And it's always uploaded really quick, so he's, he was showing it to me, and, of course, it didn't work, and everything else was just, you know, so I don't know. Maybe maybe Karen can explain this all to us, but anyway. Do you think he might be able to? It's our very, 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 very special very. guest, the doctor of the parapsychology, the CSI of the paranormal, the most haunted, <laughs> Dr. Karen O'Keefe. Good evening. Hello. Hi, Ron. Hi, Richard. Hello, how you doing? Long time no speak. Yeah, long time. Very long, long time. Long How's time. things? And we live in the same country as well, but they... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, don't you guys even... I think I'll see Ron before I see you again. I think that's absolutely right. Yes, indeed. You're, uh, you're, you're off, aren't you, to sunnier climes? I am, yes. I believe you visited there as well. I did indeed. Oh, yes. I'll tell you something, my friend. You are yeah. in for a treat. I really oh, yeah. mean it. Um, I had the most fantastic three and a half weeks. And he's a very good host. Tell you, you'll love it. Who, me? Yeah, you! Richard, <laughs> I think you might have been drinking a little bit too much that day. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what, Samuel, um, what have you, I can't remember the name of the beer now. Sam Adams, Sam Adams. Sam Adams, that's the one, Sam oh, Adams. We Sam Adams, Sam Smith oh, over brilliant. Here. Yeah, I got plenty of Sam Adams down, I tell you. But uh, no, it's very good. I had a fantastic... We had a marvellous time, didn't we, Ron? Oh, we did, most... most Great. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. sure Kieran will have the same. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm dying to meet. Oh, that's a. I've got to stop using the. Dying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm actually really excited about meeting uh, Karen because, I mean, uh, two years ago we had uh, David Wells over here yeah. who was a medium, right? And then we had you over last year who 
is a paranormal investigator and historian, and now yes. we have a parapsychologist. So it's kind of neat to see the, the three aspects. And you all work together, which is really you know, we cool. Did. Yeah, we do, and we, get, really, on, really we cool. get on very well. And I think Richard will attest to the fact that uh, the three of us do have quite different ways of looking at things. Mm. But ultimately, I guess, you know, the, the combining feature is the searching for the truth or searching for the answer. Yeah, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there, Kieran. There's no getting away yeah. from it. Um, yeah. We're all, we're, you know, we're all looking for, you know, we're all looking for that pot of gold. No, that's the wrong. No, I don't mean it like that. Um, we're all looking for the pot of gold right now. I'll tell you this. And if listen, if there's a pot of gold waiting for us as well, then I'll have that, or we'll, yes. all, we'll share it. Uh, yeah, the rainbow that goes with it too. Exactly. Absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it's valuable. Ron and I have talked about this before. I think it's. It's uh, valuable in this sort of field to have different perspectives. And it's arrogant for people, especially, you know, skeptics and cynics, to say there's only one way of looking at the world, and that's science. You know, a lot of people do like the spiritual approach, and that's why you have mediums and people like that. But also there's the other fascinating area of the paranormal, which is your area, Richard, which is, you know, the history side. And, you know, that's one of the things that you know, gets people involved and they love to hear about the history of a location. So I think the three of them can work in, in tandem. You know, it's, it's important right. to have the different perspectives, not to not to fight about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely correct about it. But, but it's cool, though, because all three of them can look at a, a single incident and actually can agree, but also can all three of them disagree as well. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes, right, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we've <clears throat> disagreed on, on many occasions, haven't we? Yeah, on, we have. on various aspects Definitely. and, and, and uh, uh, sides to it, which again is, is what it's healthy, it's what it's all about. You know, it's a, there are no mm. fast and set rules. Let's be honest with you, we all know this there is no proof whatsoever that there is anything out there at all. <laughs> Let's be honest, there isn't. You you, you, I, I defy you anybody, including Ron Kolek, to give me the, the, the tiniest little bit of proof um, of any of it. Are you talking about ghosts now? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I was going to argue with you about the chair that I'm sitting on, that it does actually exist. You know? uh, well, that's true. But yeah, but, but in what about time? Ghosts. Oh, come on! You know, then we get onto the holographic universe and everything. Oh, but there yeah, we go. absolutely right. Yeah, but again, you know, yeah, ghosts, which is what you know, the whole damn thing seems, seems to be driven by. Um, yeah. Ain't no proof at all, and yet we're all we're all out there looking. You know, I mean, let's be honest with you. Um, I mean, you're looked upon as as a skeptic. I'm yes. a skeptic, and I believe in ghosts. But you're you're still out there um, trying to prove it or or disprove it. Yes, I think the yeah, I think the only thing um, I, it's difficult. You're saying that there's no proof. I think the thing that we can agree on is perhaps the level of proof. Is I would argue that there is proof out there, but the level of proof that that we're dealing with are people's accounts, their testimonies, their experiences. You know, retelling of those experiences. There's no denying the fact that people are having experiences. It's just the nature Correct. of what they are. That's the question. And it's, and it's, you know, I think that is the proof that's out there. And it's a proof that's been out there for thousands and thousands of years, but more so within the last 120 years or so that, uh, you know, when, when more accounts were starting to be recorded, I think Correct. that's the level of proof that uh, we're dealing with. And it's just, uh, you know, an argument as to how we deal with that 
level of proof, how we interpret it, what it is, mm. all of that sort of stuff. But it's the what thing it you know, is. You're about, yeah, you're talking about skepticism and cynicism. The number of times that uh, I've dealt with scientific colleagues or psych- psych- colleagues in psychology departments, and they laugh at what I'm involved in. They mm, laugh and say, well, why, why, why do you bother getting involved in this? And my argument is always, look, tens if not hundreds of thousands of people have been reporting these sort of experiences for years, for decades, Correct. for hundreds of years. And, you know, psychology is only a new science, but let's just talk about the psychology side of things. It would be arrogant and wrong of us as psychologists to ignore all these hundreds of thousands of people that are having these experiences that are profoundly affecting them. Correct. You know, as psychologists, right. we need to know what's going on. So, Karen, yeah. I, 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 well, I'm sorry, Richard, but um, go, Karen. You know, you have you have colleagues that that believe in in God, right? And and, and there are call, uh, many many scientists that believe in God, correct? Yes, I wouldn't say okay, it's not, any, it's not all uh, Illuminati, right? <laughs> no. No, I don't. I wouldn't say in, in terms of my department, or I'm trying to think in terms of parapsychology. I don't have any colleagues, but I do know of people. Right. Definitely. All right. Let's, let's uh, go beyond that. Scientists. You're in your particular department, just science yeah, in general. There are many, many. many I, I would say, okay, this is crazy, but I bet you, I would say that there are more people, more scientists that believe in God than don't believe in God. And I don't think I'm wrong with that. Uh, But, you know, what's funny to them is they accept God without the proof. And yet they won't accept the ghosts or spirits without the proof. So that Uh, that kind of oxymoron or uh, hypocritical almost? I, yeah, I'd like to do a bit more research on that, to be honest. You know, saying that... There are more scientists out there who believe in God that don't. Oh, That's the first thing I'd that. like to check. But let's okay. assume that there let's are Let's pretend 50, there are some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's just assume, while, yes, we, while we're pretend. arguing about this, as 50-50. Now, the second thing is, of those scientists who believe in God, but, you know, they're also scientists, how many of those believe in uh, the paranormal or believe in, let's just talk about ghosts. Let's not talk about the paranormal generally, just ghosts. And I'd be interested to know what percentage of Mm -hmm. those do actually, because I think what you might find is that there is a link between religiosity or religious belief and perhaps belief in ghosts. Although I know that's an issue of um, debate for Richard, certainly in terms of Christianity and how that's had a huge effect. (laughs) But the other thing I would say is that we're dealing with a field that doesn't have a great reputation in science, parapsychology. And so I know there are colleagues of mine, for example, there's a parapsychologist specializing in physics, a guy called Ed May. There's another chap, Rupert Sheldrake, um, who's quite well known in this country, and they're parapsychologists. And what they claim, and I can believe this to some extent, is that they've talked to scientists in public domains, at conferences, on interviews, that sort of thing. And that scientist has taken kind of the standard response about paranormal stuff and said, oh, you know, it's down to suggestion or hallucination. I don't believe in all of that stuff. After 100 years of research, parapsychology hasn't really found anything. But then what happens is over a pint or two, behind or behind closed doors, but over a pint or two normally, that scientist then says, well, yeah, I know I said that. 
in front of the cameras or in front of the you know the people in the, in the conference. But there's this friend of mine that had this great experience when they went into a haunted castle, <laughs> you know, and I think it's amazing. Or, yeah, I know I said that, but a few years ago I was lying in bed and so-and-so appeared to me. Correct. That's, that's one of the issues that we've got to deal with, is how brave are you in the face of science kind of saying that parapsychology doesn't have a good reputation? How brave are you to admit that you may have had an experience or you may have a slight belief about it. Because in science, in academia generally, you do get frowned upon. You do get laughed at so. when you tell people yeah. you're involved in the paranormal. Yeah, that's so true. In fact, to be quite honest with you, Kieran, until the days of, of TV programs, ghost programs, like Most Haunted, like uh, Ghost Hunters, uh, even even Strange But True to a certain extent, they, they yeah. start, seem to start it all off. Um, not only academics and scientists, but Joe, Joe Public was very, very reluctant to admit um, that they'd seen a ghost, heard a ghost, or anything else. And, and I mean, I'm going back 17 years now to when I started yeah. it, it, getting into the ghost business with, with basically with ghost talks. And I, I would ha- say I'd have a group of 40 people on a ghost walk, and I, one of the questions I always asked was, right, so how many people here has had seen a ghost or heard a ghost or, or, or whatever. And in a group of 40 people, I'd, I'd be lucky to get two people that would very gingerly put their hands up and wait for the, la- the laughter to start. Now, 17 years on, and with all you know, the, the, the hype, the media coverage and, and TV programs, if I get 40, 40 people on a ghost walk, I, I can guarantee 10 to 15 people putting their hands up straight away and there yeah. being no laughter whatsoever. Uh, yes. It doesn't, doesn't mean more people are seeing ghosts. It means people have always seen ghosts or whatever, but were very reluctant to discuss it because they feared um, being laughed at, basically. Ridiculed. That's true. Or, or, to play devil's advocate, or we're looking at what we call in social psychology, in-group, out-group, that when you're part of an in-group, you kind of separate yourself from the other group. So a classic way of illustrating that is when you support football or soccer for the North American yeah. listeners, you support football, you very much, you are, you, say if you support England, that's your in-group, and you are against people that support another team, say France, yeah. for example. Yeah. Now, the same yeah. sort of thing might be happening with people now reporting um, ghost accounts or ghost yeah. accounts. Is I agree yeah. with what you're saying. Now it's more acceptable People are happy yeah. to be more honest. They know they won't get laughed at. But there yeah. also is the other side of things, which is because it's more acceptable, because it's trendy in a way. It's all over yeah. TV, magazines, we yeah. know we're here on the radio, that sort of yeah. thing. There's also an in-group feel about it, that people would like to be part of it. They, yeah, want, no, they want to have had an experience as well as everybody yeah, else. I wonder how yeah. much of that. You know, those I people wonder. owning up to an experience is merely, I want to put my hand up as well and say I've had This experience. is a little bit like school children, because this is what happens mm-hmm. with school children. As soon yeah, as one child t- talks, yeah. talks ghosts, they all start saying, well, I, I, when, when, I, when I went to bed last night, I, I, and, and, you know, and they all then have a yeah. ghost story. Yes. But whether they really yeah. did is a different matter. But they just want yeah. to be, you know, they want to be left out, do they? Yeah. I mean, I might be wrong, because oh, yeah. what we've got to, we've also, also what we've got to bear in mind is... 
we are seeing a pattern here that there are more people reporting having seen ghosts, and it might be, like you say, because it's now more acceptable, or it mm. might be because of what I just said about this in-group type situation. But it also might be because of a direct knock-on effect with, like you say, the various shows on TV, yeah. the acceptability yeah. of the paranormal. It means that locations are opening their doors, albeit... Albeit, you know, a lot of them now is, you know, your your phrase, ghost tourism, yes. uh, opening their doors for money. But it means mm-hmm. that on any given weekend, you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people throughout the country or England and also presumably North America who are visiting haunted locations. Yes, correct. Absolutely so, correct. You know, whereas 15, 15, 20 years ago, on any given weekend, you might have... Mm-hmm a couple of people visiting a haunted location. That's yeah. it. And so, yeah, the, the sheer massive numbers of people visiting a haunted location maybe means that uh, we are getting a real effect. That's yeah. right. Plus, let, let me ask you this. If, if the spirits are intelligent beings or intelligent energy or whatever intelligent they are, yeah. and they realize that we are making money on them, I mean, you think <laughs> they'll ever form like a union? you like, you know, unless they get something from us, they won't perform. I'm just asking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, well, let's start off on the first first point, which is assuming that, uh, you know, spirits are intelligent. Gee, I, I hope when I go over to the other side, if there is another side, I don't suddenly become dumb. <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope I keep my intelligence. But you're right. If, the, if they clock on to the fact that there's hundreds of people coming through a door and paying God knows what to do that for an evening, what does the spirit get out of it? And I tell you what, it relates to something, a conversation I had at the weekend with somebody about a particular location. And it's a location that over the last decade has been, for want of a better phrase, investigated to death. There have been groups going through there every Friday and Saturday night for 10 years, and even during the week too. Masses and masses of people. And I was speaking to various people that had been involved in investigations at that location 10 years ago, a few years ago, and now within the last few months. And I'm going to step out of my science you know, comfort zone here for a second and take off my science hat and say they were talking about atmosphere and the rate of phenomena that was happening at, th- at this particular location and said there was now no atmosphere and nobody within the last six months had reported any phenomena at all. Ooh. And they were arguing that maybe some locations get to the point where they've been investigated so much that the phenomena dies down, the spirits leave for whatever reason, and maybe this relates to what Ron jokingly was saying, you know, the spirits on the other side see all these people coming in, they have to perform on a regular basis. They'll get to the point where they'll go, I've had enough. I'm leaving. They pack their bags and leave. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow. Didn't realize that. But, well, I mean, I, I've, in my investigation, I, I, I realized that the spirits, or at least it seems to me that the spirits can recognize who we are, uh, and particularly investigators and, and persons in particular. Uh, yeah. For instance, we were at the uh, the uh, when the restaurant dining with the dead. In fact, you're doing one of those, Karen, when you come over here. Yeah. And uh, what, the girl, C.C. Carroll, did EVP. She was the, the guest speaker, and 
And mm-hmm. during the, the thing, the EVP came out my name, which is interesting. So is it intelligence of a spirit knowing me, or right. is it just coincidence? Is it the spirit knowing you? Because the EVP was in relation to you, you mean? Yeah, the question was, I, said, I asked the spirit, I said, uh, um, uh, ask him if I'm going to get my 20 bucks back. <laughs> and then he got two EVPs. first one said 25, and then the second one uh, said uh, wrong. Well, it's, yeah, it doesn't, when you say intelligence, the whole nature of EVP is that it's meant to be uh, spirit communication. So the implication of what you're saying is that there's a spirit there listening. That's as simple as that. It doesn't need any more interpretation than that. It's just so that there's it, a spirit it there. Does in have the the intelligence, like we were talking about, and then perhaps, you know, you were right. Maybe that they left from that place. Or, or you know, if, if, for instance, if you were doing EVPs with someone and... Um, they were really rude to a spirit or something, and the spirit really yeah. didn't like them, but uh, either couldn't or chose not to do any physical damage to this person. Um, by not responding, is, is that a way of, of, uh, of them, like, rebelling or, or not? Yeah, and it shows, and it shows intelligence. For those, of, uh, for those amongst us who, when we're in a situation where somebody's being rude to us, and uh, rather than get into a heated argument, the simple response is just to ignore them and walk away. Maybe that it does show intelligence. I mean, mm. let's, let's, let's look at all the evidence for just EVP, which is about communication from right. the 60s onwards. And it's about a direct sort of conversation that's going on um, with spirits, allegedly. But let's look at that evidence as, as irrefutable evidence, Right. Let's forget skepticism, let's forget alternative explanations, let's just talk about that evidence as actually existing and actually indicating that there's, you know, spirit communication. I would argue that because we're getting that, because we're getting that, all of that communication, that we are dealing with intelligence, because there's direct interaction, there's, you know, dialogues going on with people like Constantine Rordiv, um... Sarah Estep of the American Association of EVP 20 years ago. You've got all the recent work being done. And, Ron, I know, you know you've got um connection to a guy who's got some amazing equipment that's been doing some EVP as well. You've just given an example. All of those examples highlight some sort of intelligence, they, they, the same sort of intelligence that we would attribute to somebody living on the earth today that we would have a conversation with because that's what it is. It's a conversation. The only thing that bothers me... Sorry, carry on. No, no, Richard, go ahead. I was going to say, the only thing that bothers me, you know, you know what a sceptic I am as well as, as well as believing in it, is the fact that, you know, I, like you said, you know, 20, like you said, what, two words, 25, 25 books or whatever, and, and, and Ron, you know, I have great problems with it as to why if they can if they can gather that much energy and they're that much of an intelligence why they can't actually uh come up with sentences i i i i don't i'm not a great believer in evp i'll be honest with you but, but there we go okay well there you know uh sorry ron do you want to answer that first uh, i was just going to comment uh that i have heard several words put together in the, into a sentence uh yeah. Yeah, I, so I'm, that's all I'm going to say, Karen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know it's I, not easy. I, 
you know, we're talking of summoning summoning energy from 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 goodness knows where. You know, it's probably not that perhaps if they've only got a, a small battery instead of a large battery, it's very difficult. But go on, yeah. you, you tell me what you think, Kieran. Well, I'm, again, I'm playing devil's advocate because I'm mm. a huge skeptic when it comes to EVP. Mm. I think there's so many natural explanations going You're on, right. especially when it's the incorrect methodology that's used. However, assuming it's all kosher, it's all correct and evident, evidential, yep. um, your question is about why, why can't they string more together? Yeah. I why, think don't we get, why don't we get a, a, a few sentences? We do. We do. That's that's the issue. We may have lost it now, and that might mm. be because of the methodology. But when you look back at people like Friedrich Jurgensen, mm. Konstantin Rordiv, and this is going back to the 60s, even mm. to um, uh, some of the work of people like Martha Copeland, Sarah Estep with the AAEVP, you do have sentences coming mm. out. Conversations you know, almost. Conversations almost. Yes, mm. you do. you do have that. The difficulty comes, I think, and the reason why we don't get it so much, you're right, I would say almost 90% or 95% of what's gathered is one word um, answers. I think the difficulty is in the interpretation. It's rare that the EVPs that come through are that clear. I know. You know, so it's a case of trying to interpret, and the amount of work that goes into interpreting a single word and then you times that by 10 or 20 to get sentences. Karen, I think one of the most amazing EVPs that I ever, ever, ever heard was actually recorded on an answering machine at somebody's house, and it wasn't right. recorded on the message part where you, where you would leave a message. This is yeah. the broadcast part, and basically the, the, the sentence uh, said it was like almost a map, and when you followed it, it said, you know, like, go past the street, follow the wall by the river, on the third tree you'll find me there, and it was a grave of this per- ghost that was in, in the house, and All I right. can never explain that to this day, how that got over there, the voice was actually over the message that was recorded on the answer machine, in other words, not the one that the person would leave, but the, the host would put a, record on it but that right. message was still there, but the EVP was recorded over it, or uh, not really recorded over it, yeah. uh, manifested over it. Yeah, and how do you explain something like that? You're right. It's easier to explain mm-hmm. it if it's a message left. But right. if it's recorded over the actual answering machine response, then how do you explain that? And it's difficult to explain. If, if there's evidence that nobody tampered with it, then, yeah, it's tough to explain. You're tapping into an area of research which is obviously titled Phone Calls from the Dead. And there's, there's a, guy, a guy called Scott Rogo and Raymond Bayless in the late 70s. 79 was the first book, which is Phone Calls from the Dead. And then since then, there's been a few others on that, that sort of research. And it's just that. It's answering machine messages. Um, it's messages covering up the answering machine response or, you know, the, the person living there. But it's also... Um, spirit contact when the phone rings and people pick it up and it's actually somebody that's departed it's somebody that may have died many Mm -hmm. years before so there's this whole area of research specifically focused on phones and of course we know that you know the the early researchers who kind of put phones together and came up with the idea and kind of streamlined the design we have you know were interested in the idea of spirit communication anyway 
And okay, guys, we are out of uh, time. We have to take a break okay. right now. Uh, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix, our very, very special guest is Dr. Karen, o- Karen O'Keefe, and here we are on Tojinet Pararex, Ghost Channel Beyond. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gobbledygooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Cece the Huntress, and I'm going to be the guest speaker for New England Ghost Project with their events, Food and Spirits, held at the Wyndham Restaurant in Wyndham, New Hampshire, June 21st, 7 o'clock. You must purchase your ticket online at www.neghostproject.com. Hey, I'll see you there. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Norton. A very, very special guest is Dr. Karen O'Keefe. If anybody has a question, they can go into the TojiNet chat room or they can, or the Parrax chat room or call in at 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. And we actually have a question from the uh, TojiNet chat room. This is from Spirit GSY, which, I don't know, Gypsy maybe? Having a clue. Um, anyways, the question is, what is the best experiment to try in a haunted location? So, uh, Karen, you want to try that first, and then we'll have Richard put his little two cents in there. The best experiment to try in a haunted location, other than standard sort of investigative techniques, I would say a control room. Um, especially if you've got a haunted location where there's alleged poltergeist-type activity, at least moving objects, that sort of thing. If you've got a a location where a particular object is moved, then I would create a control room with that object in the center of the room. I would have cameras pointed at it and recording continuously, maybe have it uh, on huge grid-like paper or graph paper and uh, see what the results are. Now, when you call, when you say control room, Karen, what are you specifically talking about? Uh, when I say control room, I mean, I should say controlled room, really, would make it clearer. Somebody's breathing really hard, sorry. That's not me. Is it, not? Is it me? Am I breathing too hard? Are you breathing, Karen? You couldn't be while you're on the show. <laughs> Listen, guys, I actually, that, yeah, that's actually going on while Kieran's talking. Okay. Is it? So, so it's me, then, Not it? me. Now, then, I'll this is amazing. Because, num- hey, number stop. one, as you said earlier, about a mic, I, I haven't got a mic. I'm, I'm doing this via the phone. Uh, but that was very loud. I don't know. What, this is interesting. Karen, did you hear Kieran, that? there's something after you. I heard it, yes. Was, okay. it, when it, was it from me? No, it's not, because it's not... It's Couldn't not be, because you were talking, Kieran. 
That is bizarre. Okay, so well, hey. let, me ask, let me ask you this then. The question was, so, what is a uh, control room? The control room uh, means ensures that nobody can get into the room. Simple as that. And you set that up either by having a locked room, you know, and one person has the key and that person is sat in front of monitors in a different part of the location, or you have beam breakers, some alarm system set up, anything. So it's a controlled room that ensures nobody walks into that room. Nobody living, anyway. Okay, so by a control room, you are saying a area that's absent of any human life. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of locations where, which is a little bit more common than you'd think, where staff have reported objects have moved when they've been out of a room. The classic case in point is location where they may have put chairs up on the tables when they've gone back in the morning the chairs have moved back um, or vice versa you know so you wouldn't need the human element in that particular room you just need to set up lock off cameras you know and make it controlled to ensure nobody else could get in simple as that it's a simple experiment but you know it's it's one that's easily done and okay so that was your answer to the question, which was, I almost lost it, uh, an experiment what to experiment? try to location. So, Richard, I mean, I should, I should before Richard um, okay. says his bit, I should, I should do an added thing, is that it's interesting we use the word experiment, and I'm going off what the paranormal world calls an experiment, which is merely something, some, is there something that we can test, something that we can test in a haunted location, um, not an experiment in terms of, a scientific experiment, like a psychology experiment that I would do, because that would entail a lot of work where, you know, you'd test a hypothesis, you'd have, um, you'd need hundreds if not thousands of data points to make a valid conclusion. I'm talking about experiments where it's something you're testing, something that's going on in the location, and it's easy to do within the restrictions that any amateur group would have. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Richard? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, my my best sort of advice is, is the sort of thing that I, I I still believe that the only genuine ghost detector is you. It's as simple as that. And I, and I think just someone being there in a particular location, reputedly haunted, um, hopefully trying to, to switch off, uh, let their minds go as, as empty as they possibly can. It's not always easy when you're sitting in a haunted location, but uh, sort of almost daydreaming and, and sitting back and waiting to see what might happen. And then, of course, there's the, you know, because yeah, I tend to favour so much the, the old, you know, the traditional sort of ways, as you probably know, dousing crystals, um, a glass on a table, uh, and a table, or, or any other implement that, that may move for whatever reason. I'm just such a great believer in, in being in a room, showing a lot of respect for whatever, if it is there, if there is something there and it is an intelligence, um, may be able to communicate with you. Um, but I'm not talking now, as Kieran was, of, of, of a poltergeist or something like that. Mm. Uh, I'm just talking about us and our minds, because I'm such a believer in what's, what's going on out there is, a... is, is in our mind. 
Yeah, I think that's a neat uh, a neat point that Rich is making, and also it makes me think about an easy experiment that Richard has kind of said himself. The majority of groups now, and the majority of people that go into an investigations, and this is more so in the UK, I think, than North America, will go into a location, sit there or stand there, they'll do table work, whatever, and uh, they'll call out for something to happen, or they'll call out for spirit to interact. I think a neat little experiment to do for people that are used to doing that other method is not to call out. Mm, exactly. Simple as that. Or do it in your mind. Yeah, or what Rich is saying is just, you know, sit there chatting to somebody else or, you know, just, just sit there and just not call out. That's, and, and see you, if you must else. remember that the vast majority of, of sightings, of, of, sorry, well, not necessarily sightings, because we, we always get into this trap of, you know, seen a ghost. Never mind seen it, what about heard it, sensed it, felt it, smelt it, uh, and all the rest of it. But, but nearly all of the, the um, instances where people have reported some form of ghostly phenomena, for want of a better word, have yeah. not been where, nobody walks into a room and says, is there a ghost there? Is there someone there? Will you, will you, will you appear in front of me? It, it just happens. And, yeah. and so all this sort of intense, come on, come on, do something now. You exactly. know, I'm sorry, I, think, I just think it, it, it doesn't help. It, it just, I just think you need to be there, be natural, be aware, uh, and try yeah. and let go and, and see if anything's going to happen. Yeah. I add my two cents. Mm. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, I actually think, I, I know uh, Dr. Uh, O'Keefe about the control thing, and I thought, and you want to remove the human factor. And I think it is the human factor that drives the experiments. I believe that uh, a lot of the spirits will only do something if there is a, the human factor involved in it. Uh, it depends on the particular haunting, uh, though. But I, I, I really do believe that the human factor is an important part of any experiment. Right. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, you know, willing, willing to take that on board. I'm just talking about particular occasions mm -hmm. when you've got poltergeist type activity mm -hmm. um, that people have reported, and they haven't had to be in the location. It's when they've revisited the room, and things have knocked over or things have been moved and there's a perfect right. case but you're right ron you know if we didn't have the human element then it would be simply a case of uh if a tree falls in a wood and there's nobody there did the uh, tree uh, make uh, sound? Uh, as i like to say uh Karen, if a man is in the woods and there's no woman around is he still wrong <laughs> <laughs> i like it yes yeah, but but I yeah, like we, we. I mean, the, the, to me, that's an important factor, and you know, in some experiments, yes. If you've got, uh, uh, for instance, that you come in and something has always moved, then yeah, the control factor is is great because there was no human uh, intervention or uh, into the experiment at all. So therefore, yeah. you really don't need it to verify it or uh, to, you know, debunk it one or the other to find out if it worked, is it not. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I wonder if, you know, the person in the chat room that asked the question, if they have, you know, a comment on this, um, or if they had something in mind that they were thinking of, perhaps. We can check uh, back I, I, they didn't say anything. I kind of got lost early in the show, but there are so many, you know, there's a couple other questions in here 
before I, we get to those, I, I, I do have to, I have to, uh, wow, if they keep coming in, maybe we will. <laughs> uh, another question is hard to find. A new. Okay, so uh, there's actually a couple of them. First, Mahler uh, B, and I believe... You, you, you might know Marla Brooks. She's from... Uh, yes, I know, Stirring the Cauldron. Yes, Stirring the Cauldron. She, she has a, a message in the uh, chat, Tojanet chat room, and it, it says uh, an EVP is supposed to be on a different audio level than a uh, human voice. Is, is there a method to extinguish between the two? There is. Well, there is a method to distinguishing between uh, a human voice and artificial voice. Okay, and that is? You know, with, with using uh, spectrum analyzers. But the difficulty is, well, I guess you could look at frequency, frequency of the human voice, um, and then see if there's a difference. It's tough. Um, definitely you could see if there's a difference between an artificial voice and a human voice, and you're talking about uh, forensic-type work using spectrum analysis or voice analysis software. You can do that quite easily. To say that a spirit voice has to be at a particular level, if it is genuinely, if there is proof of that, if there's proof that a spirit voice is at a different level to a human voice, and we're talking pitch, then you would use the same software to check that. So it is possible, you're looking at sort of voice analysis software and spectrum analysis stuff, the same sort of thing that you do for acoustics, looking at difference between infrasonic and ultrasonic sources, that sort of thing. So it could be done, but I would be wary about doing that because I would need proof, first of all, that there are spirit voices and proof, secondly, that spirit voices operate at a different frequency. But it's a useful, it's a useful thing to do um, to see if there's you know, a difference between the noise that you think is human and human voice, because what you might be getting is just noise, or you might be getting uh, radio. Just oh, we like might get breathing. <laughs> yeah, we, we might, might get indeed. getting a lot of. We, yeah. we have another uh, question. This is from the uh, Pararex chat room, and right. it's from uh, Karen the Chatter Chick. Uh, right. I find it hard to believe that there are. Oh my God, I lost it. Oh, don't go on me. Get back here. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that there are all these ghosts going around throwing rocks at people when they are not where there are any rocks. What do you think of this? That's not my I question. I find that hard to believe. That's from the chat room. <laughs> yeah, I find that hard to believe. Okay. Very hard to believe. If, if there are stones or rocks being thrown around at a location where that sort of uh, debris is not available around, you know, on the floor, mm -hmm. then, uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. You know, it makes you question a little bit more and say, okay... Is there any possibility that somebody involved in the investigation or somebody at, at the location could have picked up that debris beforehand? But it makes it, it's neat. It makes it a little bit more controlled in a way, doesn't it, if that stuff is not around at the location? Okay, now I, I, I'm going to bring up a question. And uh, Hans Holzer, you, you, you know Hans Holzer. Yes, uh, Karen, yes. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, this kind of is almost like the 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 same thing with the Houdini. I mean, there are two people that I mean, Hans Holzer and, and Houdini both believe in the afterlife. You think? I mean, for those who don't know, of course, Hans passed away. If anybody would come back, do you think he would come back? 
Yes, definitely. Yes, Han Solo will come back. Has there been any sightings or, or signs from him? Um, I don't know. I think Alexandra would argue that he has come back, but his I don't. Daughter. I wouldn't want Alexandra is Hans Holzer's daughter. Yeah, Correct. but I wouldn't yeah. want to comment on any personal experiences that she's had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think she might have. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think she might have gone on record on another radio show that she's involved with, as saying that he has. Um, been in communication since. Oh, that's through interesting. Various, through various mediums, I think. So we, we will definitely it, have to find out more about that because that, yeah, that's kind of unique. Because you, you think about it, if anybody was going to come back, it would be Hans Holzer. Oh yeah, definitely. I would. I would say even more so. I'd be more impressed if Houdini came back because yeah, of course I know, Houdini... he's trying, but you know the, the he keeps dialing the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> That's the excuse, yeah. Because he did set up an experiment before he left, didn't he? Mm. Uh, but the uh, problem with that, and uh, it, actually that's in my new book that's coming out, um, somehow he was supposed to have a code word, and somehow that got published uh, yeah. prior to this psychic that supposedly came up with the code word. So right. that whole experiment is kind of like, gone. Debunked. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I will, I will have to say this that Maureen, uh, my partner, uh, the trans medium, and I do have code words that we have uh, established that if either one of us passes, uh, this is what we're supposed to look for. And we okay. have that sealed off, and if that ever occurs, and I hope this doesn't very soon, uh, <laughs> we, that will be revealed. So there you go. Right. right. Well, I think we it's wait, a good thing to do. Breath, Ronald. <laughs> I know, and I'll be gone. I know, I'll be first. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Richard. I'm older than you. But what, two days? <laughs> no, more than that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, Karen, I, I did want to talk to you about uh, a special event that you're doing here, and I, it's, I find it fascinating. It, it's called um, Paranormal CSI, and... Would you yeah. give us like a little, this will be at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover. So um, could you give us a little insight into it and, and, and what is Paranormal CSI? Well, it comes from uh, my other area of specialty. People know me as a parapsychologist, but I'm also an investigative psychologist. And that means providing psychological assistance to criminal investigations. People know it generally as profiling psychological profiling, but also geographic profiling in that area, as well as interviewing. And paranormal CSI is basically two things. On the one hand, it's me combining investigative psychology and the paranormal and looking at the area we know as psychic criminology. Psychic criminology, when psychics claim they can help with criminal investigations, that sort of thing. And as part of what I'm doing uh, in my visit in August, I'll be talking about psychic criminology, talking about classic cases, um, getting people to think like me about the critical side or skeptical side of those cases. But then what I'll be doing is basically training people to think a little bit like an investigative psychologist, like a profiler, essentially, where people will be presented with crime scenes, they'll be presented with... Uh, a murder crime scene, for example, and asked to think about it on the one hand as an investigative psychologist or as a psychological profiler, 
but then leave that aside and then try and think about it like a psychic detective might and see if that wow. see what the, the difference is. And then following on from that, I'll be looking at various serial cases. So a serial killer and a, a serial rape case where the people in the workshop, they can actually look at that case from a, from a different side of profiling, which is geographic profiling. And it's this idea of if we've got the information about the sites, can we work out where the killer actually lives um, or, you know, where there's a, a missing body, that sort of thing. And again, it's the same thing, teaching people the skills that I've learned as an investigative psychologist and profiler, and then also looking at the skills that a psychic detective might use. And that's Paranormal CSI. That is pretty cool. I am really, really interested. That sounds exciting, actually. And is there a hands-on on or on, is it a hands-on type experiment in the oh, workshop? Oh, yeah, it's definitely. There'll be a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, lecture side of it, me standing up talking. But uh, the majority of it will be um, hands-on. So people will have access to maps. I'll also have... On one of the cases that people will look at, which is a missing person cases, people will have access to um, witness statements, police reports, um, uh, geological surveys of the area, that sort of thing. Almost as though they're detectives. Uh, with uh, the murder case, people will um, be presented with a virtual reality type environment. So they'll just see a body in front of them, but then what they'll be able to do is direct me group will be able to direct me, can we walk to the left? Can we walk into the bedroom? Can we walk into the kitchen? And then they'll actually be able to do that on screen, virtual reality environment. So it's very, very hands-on. Hmm. Now, uh, we actually have another question from the chat room. Uh, this is from Ghost Lounge. Uh, hmm. Is Why don't paranormal investigators investigate apartments? So I guess what they were asking, and I, I want Richard to comment on this too, is... Why why aren't apartments haunted, or are they haunted? Do you want to go first, Richard? Yeah, don't bother. Did, did you say apartments? Or apartments or flats, I think you call flats, them over there. Flats, you've got to go. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you know what one of my comments is, is uh, on my talk. You know, have you ever heard of a young guy smoking a joint um, with a hoodie on, walking through the, the, the wall uh, of an apartment? Um, and, and I say, no, not many. I'm not saying there are none. But, but there aren't so many because I'm, I'm such a great believer in, in there aren't so many um, ghosts around now as there were in the days of, of uh, belief in, 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 in religion. Uh, in other words, the guy smoking the joint that, that's, that's raped, murdered and done everything else has nothing to fear. And so he hasn't stayed around, um, which is my thought. So I, I would say there aren't many haunted apartments. I did give you that not there not. About the, the haunted hoodie, right, guy? Yeah. yeah. Funnily okay. enough, there was one that David Wells sent me an article about, would you believe, while I was in America. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it! No, I think, I think you're right, um, Richard, that we're dealing with uh, a situation where there aren't so many apartments investigated. Mm -hmm. But uh, I wonder how much of that may be down to psychology. Possibly. You know, the, yeah, well, I, I think a lot of it, uh, Kieran. To be honest with yeah. you, a lot of yeah. it, I, it's I not, really yeah. do. Uh, and again, the psychology of, of 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 what's in your mind, of the fear of of not wanting to move on, because you fear 
divine retribution, hellfire, damnation, and all of the other terrors that we that we used to have that we don't that we're not so bothered about anymore. True. I mean, um, at the end of the day, it's not like I haven't investigated apartments or heard about mm. them. I have, but they are rarer. But then pay, perhaps it's down to um, it is down to history. That a lot of the time with apartments, you may be dealing with uh, more modern buildings, and therefore, you know, your favourite is uh, wherever people have lived and died. You'll find ghosts. Well, yes. if you haven't yes. had people dying in a particular location, are you yeah. going to see ghosts? Yeah. And again, I think, and again, the re- you see the recording side of things, which I'm a but, you know, the, the, the stone tape and the silica and, and all of that sort of stuff, that, you know, there's just as much of that in, in an apartment because they're made of concrete, cement, which is full of oh. silica, just the same as bricks and stones are. Yeah. Um, but it is strange. Oh, and, of course, the other one, remember, uh, is the fact that, you know, if, if a guy does walk through, you know, um, a, a, a building, you, you're not always sure that he's a ghost <laughs> because he looks <laughs> normal. He's dressed as we are. And so people don't always recognise them. You know, when a guy with a with a with a cavalier's hat and a, and a floppy feather and a sword and a pair of thigh length boots walks through, you think oh, he's either in a you know going out for a fancy dress party or he's a ghost. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If I'm sitting in my apartment right now and I see a guy walking through with a floppy feather, I'd soon notice him. Yeah, right. but you wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. But if he, he was a guy walking down the corridor uh, with a baseball cap on and. Whatever. Um, would you think twice? Would you notice him? No. Until he did exactly. something strange, like disappear yeah. or walk through the wall or vaporize. Yeah, I, true. And so I there might be more sightings out there. Yeah. Well, come on then. Uh, I, I've actually, when I was doing the, the, my new book that's coming out in September, uh, I ran into quite a few haunted uh, buildings, skyscrapers, actually. Of course, yeah. the, the, the most famous one is the one in Chicago where. Uh, uh, people have been able to commit suicide by jumping through the windows, except the windows don't open. And there have been mysterious deaths there. Uh, another one in Brazil, where uh, there was a huge fire and, and 13 people burned in an elevator, and these 13 people are seen walking through the offices all the time. And, and they've they've brought exorcists and, and uh, shamans to try to get rid of them. And there are many, many cases where skies skyscrapers and, and apartments are uh, definitely haunted, and, and especially in the, the annals of the church, if you go through some of the exorcism cases, there are a lot of them that are involved uh, flats and apartments. And so I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with your examples there, Ron, and this ties into something that I know Richard used to say quite a lot when we filmed <laughs> Most Haunted, is this idea of there's a highly emotional, highly charged situation in a particular location. And especially if that's associated with a death, you know, does that make it more likely that you're going to have a ghostly presence? And even just the examples you gave are examples where there's highly emotionally charged death. Suicides. Yeah, suicide and the fire fire you were talking about in the Brazil example. So, yeah, let's let's not discount any locations at all. The questions keep coming in. Uh, Somebody asked about Alistair Crowley. He's supposed to haunt an apartment in London. I don't know anything about that. Do you guys? Yeah, but that's more of an association with Crowley, I think, to be honest. It's very difficult to remove the fact that Crowley lived in, and it's not just the apartment, I think there are other locations in the UK as well that he's associated with, but it's Alistair Crowley. And I would say that those reports are not, in my opinion, they're not the most reliable. You're dealing with a huge figure that was associated with 
satanic arts and all of that, you know, black arts research. And as soon as people know that he lived in a particular location, then immediately they're going to associate. <laughs> yeah, they're going to associate anything that happens in that location with the presence of Alistair Crowley. So I think we have to be a little bit tentative about those reports. But uh, it, it's so interesting. I mean, when you when we look at it, and we we always think of ghosts as the old haunted. Uh, two years back, uh, a German uh, television crew came over here to do a documentary on us. So they wanted us to take them to a haunted location. So we took them to this restaurant, right? And, and they're like, they, the producer put me such said, "Oh no, 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 this won't work. This won't work." He says, we, we, we want the haunted house on the hill with, with yeah. the graveyard in front and everything else. I says, trust me, this restaurant is more haunted than <laughs> any old house sitting up on a hill next to a graveyard. And by the time it was over, he was certainly impressed by it. Uh, because you don't need uh, an old haunted house on a hill next to a cemetery. In, the book, in our new book, we have, you know, Shackleton's uh, shack in, in Antarctica. Uh, we have underwater uh, hauntings. We have um, you know, you, uh, so many weird ships and planes, you name it, yeah. anything. Yeah. 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 No, I wouldn't argue with that at all. And it's interesting what you say about the German TV crew coming over. The same thing is happening with me and a, a French TV crew here, and all they were interested in was visiting a spooky castle. Yeah. That's it. But that's the compromise with media, and that's the, that's the difficulty, is that there's this media representation of what psychical research is, what ghost hunting is, what parapsychology is. That's the media perception, and often the reality of it is quite different. Yeah, quite right. It, Couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, you know what? We just about ran out of time. We've got about a minute left, but I can't believe this. Uh, you know, it was a great conversation, guys, and, and we always seem to have it when we're together. I, I you know... Richard, too bad you weren't coming over this August. Oh my God! Well, come on, then. Get, go on, get order the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's going to happen. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I can still get the house in Franconia class, again, but uh, one day it'll be good. That we can perhaps do something when you come over here, Ron. I know it. I've got to get over there. I know it. I know it. Uh, Karen, thank you so much. And once again, you are coming up here. A lot of your events are listed on the uh, Any Ghost Project uh, web website which is any, like New England, ghostproject.com, and uh, you can sign up for those. And uh, we've got everything from cruises to workshops to uh, dinners to ghost hunts. Although you call them training day. I always thought that was so quaint. Training days, yes. Training days. <laughs> and I'll have all of those events linked and your website linked on my website shortly but i'll be putting them up on facebook and twitter quite regularly too all right karen we want to thank you so much and we'll definitely have to talk to you and richard thank you as well it's a pleasure thanks on nice talking to you karen I'll see you, you too richard soon. take care all the best bye-bye yeah cheers have a good cheers, night ron. Yep. cheers ron cheers and god bless Goalies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night. The 
Jesus, good Lord.